For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, Big Blue Nation? We are here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky alongside Double Zero, the UK legend Tony Depp. My name is Vinny Hardy. What's up, TD? What's going on, V, man? Another day. I like doing it on a Wednesday night. We have a special guest. I'm going to let you introduce my man, my big brother. Your big brother, man. As a matter of fact, the, the first time I went to a game at Rupp Arena, this man was playing in Coach Patino's first year at the UKIT. I'm talking about I was 12 years old watching Reggie Hanson and Derek Miller. Wow. Reggie is here. What's going on, Reg? What's going on, man? I, I, I want to thank you guys, first of all, for allowing me to be on the show. Um, you know, I listen to you guys. You guys do a great job. So it's an honor to be on the show. Um, but I'm going to tell you this. So you say something about the UKIT when it was playing for Rick, right? You know, we had that every year. And then Rick's first year, we got beat in it. Canceled it. Didn't have it again. <laughs> wow. Did not have it again. Yes. Yes. UKIT. We got beat in his first year and he canceled the UKIT. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it, it lets you know, but, but, you know, like I said, he's probably, of all the coaches I played for, and you can contest it, he probably is the most competitive coach, whether it's, whether it's playing with, with his staff, which he wants to win every game, us winning or losing, and just like even a scouting report, man, he was like, I, I've seen him fire coaches on a scouting report. I'm like, man, this dude's serious? Like, he gonna fire the dude because the man messed up on the scouting report? And that's just how that's just how competitive he was. You know, he's one of those coaches that is totally locked in um, when it comes down to scouting report detail. Mm. And when it comes to just the game, I mean, mm. you know, no one knows the game better than Coach P. He's one of those coaches that. Hey. You know, he would stay up all night watching film, and we can come in at whatever time it was shooting, and uh, Coach P would be in that office. Yeah, yeah. And no question, TD, attention to detail. And you, as a player, you better know what's on that scouting report. You come <laughs> out the game quick if you don't. Yes, sir. You've never done that. <laughs> hey. But anyway, hey, back to what you were saying about firing a coach. I mean, the first year. He was playing um, Ole Miss. I think it was the first game, well, our first maybe SEC conference games. And uh, we was playing against Ole Miss. And this guy named, I think it was a rookie, and a freshman named Joe Harvell. So he comes out and boom, boom, boom. I think he hit like two or three threes on the row and we're down. And that was Ralph Scout. Scout. Right. And so Rick comes down the bench. He's cussing Ralph out. He's told me he's fired. <laughs> Who is this guy? And we sit on the bench like, it was that first year, like, is he, yeah. like you said, is he serious? Man, hey, I'm looking, you know what, because I'm, I'm looking at the coach's wife, man. I'm like, man, his wife, wife back there crying. I'm like, man, he's the coach doing a game. Like, dude, is that serious? Like, he meant, like, kind of like similar to your story, the dude made two threes. I mean, the dude had mm. made threes. He had made threes in four or five games. So it was like, hey, we're not going to put him in, include him in the scout report. Right, and right. Dude, I'm just like, oh, man, like, he really fired the coach. But – Back to, you know, just the detail and even of all the coaches I played for, like he taught me so much about the game that mm. still stuff I'm still using in my academy and as I train kids and teach kids and have conversation with them. Right. I mean, he, he just equipped us with so much knowledge. You know what, TV, you you exactly right, man. I mean, he and he gave you he gave you so much confidence too. Yeah. Um when I played, when I played for, when I came in with Eddie Sutton, because I played for Eddie Sutton my first two years, and I came in, I was 6'7", uh, 180. Um, and, and Eddie, Eddie, he was a great coach. He was a defensive coach. He wasn't really an offensive coach. And he was still kind of, he was in that slowdown mode. And so he pretty much told me my game was in the post, 
or maybe 16, seven feet foot jump shots. That was pretty much what I could do, is what he told me. Um, and then when Rick came, because um, it was a situation of whether I was going to leave, whether I was going to stay. Right. And when Rick came and we met, and that's one of the first things I, I said to him is, is you know, you know, like look at my body, look at my my build. I say I I, have, I feel like I got the potential to be more of a complete player instead of just right. playing in the post and shooting sixteen seven foot seventy foot jump shots like I was previously. Mm -hmm. And he was like he was like, look, he said you better be in great shape because you're gonna be handling the ball, shooting threes, <laughs> posting up. You're gonna be doing it all. Right. And um, I'm gonna tell you a funny story. We were playing um, Indiana. Remember, he said the Big Four Classic. Yeah. And then the RCA Dome, and it was early in the early in the game, and we was running the you know the the thumb up offense. Right. So you know I come up to the top, wide open for a three, right? I take two dribbles in, mm -hmm. shot a two <laughs> at the free throw line. Right. Rick yanks me out, cusses me out. It's like he's like you know I talk. Oh yeah. He's, he's like were you point shaving? <laughs> and you know <laughs> and you know what TD? All I could do was. All I could do was laugh because you know what happened to me? It was still early in trying to play like he wanted me to play. Right. I had a flashback to not being allowed to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And and I and that's why I told him, man. I just kind of laughed about it. He just shook his head. Then he put me back in the game. But hmm. but yeah, man, it was it was it was it took a little time to to adjust to the fact that okay, you can go out here and just play. You don't have to worry right. about it. You, you can shoot the threes. You can you can handle the ball because you're working on it every day in practice. And I think to your point, and, and V, this this where we've learned so much from him is that he really expanded your game. He made you a versatile player. Like all our bigs that came in, he made all those guys versatile players. You're not a one-dimensional player. So even as he came into the 90s teaching that, that uh, positionless basketball, which you don't get enough credit for, yep. I thought he was the one that brought position basketball to college, the college ranks. Mm -hmm. And he just allowed everyone to be able to touch the ball, handle the ball, pass the ball. Yep. So he made all our players versatile players. And I thought it really made us such a, a hard-to-guard team because now what we were doing, back mm -hmm. to Reggie, Reggie was able to bring the fours and the fives out. If he ever decided to put Reggie at the four or the five, now that five man would have to come out and play Reg on the perimeter, mm -hmm. which he wasn't used to. Reg knocked down a couple of shots, a couple of threes. What are you going to do? He got to yep. come out the paint. So then what coming out the paint did was, it gave us spacing. So yes, that screen, we knew how to use screen. He really taught me as a player that was ball dominant coming out of high school, how to play without the ball. No question. I mean, no question. And what you talk about, about the, you know, me being able to play fours and fives. I mean, I loved it because in that, you know, in the thumb up offense, man, you're moving all the time. Right. And for big guys, you're trying to move, fight over screens, fight through, over through back screens. And we used to have a, a couple of pin down plays that that brought me up to the top for a three point shot. Right. And I used to love it because it's like you said, TD. It, it opened the game was so open. Right. And you was allowed to so much freedom um, right. to just play. Um, but the thing about it though, I mean, you put in that work to do it though. Oh yeah, yeah. You, no, that, that you know it. You know you 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 did you got so many reps, and, and, and you know and put in so much effort to be able to play that way that, you know, you know how this is, TD practices was way harder than games. Man, hey, hey, Benny, <laughs> when I tell you, like, practice was like, but like, the games were days off. And, and yes. that's, that's the true meaning. Yes. And here's my question, Rez, that, that doing, when you came, and especially when Coach first got there, mm -hmm. did y'all have the 20-hour rule during that time, or it came in later? We had, we had, we had, uh, no, let me see. Cause I remember when, when he first got there. No, no, we, I think we did have that 20 hour rule. So no, 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 I'm sorry. No, we didn't have a 20 hour rule. The 20 hour rule came after did. me. That's what yeah. I mean. We didn't have a 20 hour rule. Yeah. yeah. No, because we were, we were, we had individual workout. No, we had morning right. practice, mm -hmm. individual workouts, evening practice. Right. Then we, then we probably come in there again later that night. But you know, so, what they did after you left is they cut it down. They do it with 20 hours, and you can't go over four hours a day. So mm. I heard the stories of Coach Patino being at Providence, man. Them dudes practicing eight to ten hours, man. So oh. eventually the NCAA was going to have to step in and cut down on the hours because these coaches, man, they would lose their mind. And we know Coach Patino was a catalyst for, like, dude, you might – I'm going to tell you, here's a quick story right here. So we played – 
we played Georgia. This, this is the year we won the championship. And mm-hmm. uh, we played Georgia. We're up like, I think, like 20 points. He put in the second stream guys. And they ended up slicing the lead down to maybe like, let's say, eight points. We ended up winning by like 12. And mm-hmm. that game was at 5 o'clock. So the game finished at 7. So it's a Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday night game. Coach P comes in and writes 12-1 on the board. So we're thinking, cool, you know, dude, we about to rock, man. You know, it's practice at 12 p.m. Hey, he wrote the a.m. next to it. I'm like, hold on, man, we got practice in five hours. He had it at 12-1, so we couldn't practice the same day. But, dude, destroyed our Saturday night. And I'm telling you, like, we thought he was just playing around, man. We came and went from 12-1 to 2.30 in the morning. Hard practice. There wasn't no like on walkthrough. And on top of that, we had just won the game, man. I'm like, this dude lost his mind, man. But that just hey. lets you know how how he was and how detailed and how competitive he was is that he felt like we should have won the game by a larger margin. But I'm like, dude, you put the second stream players in, which were which was some of those guys were pros, but right. you know, team make runs and you know, I'm just like, whatever. But yeah, we was that was the first time we thought as a as a as a team, we was gonna play, we was gonna boycott that practice. Man, he was like, dude. We started, we, we started boycotting, like, man, who going? I was like, I'm not going. So everybody was like, we're not going. So by 10 o'clock, you know, guys start coming in the room. Next thing you know, man, by 11 o'clock, everybody left the room. By 1130, everybody, we walking out our Wildcat Lodge, and we make it over there at 1145. Because you got to be there before Wildcat time, man. 15 minutes. Yeah, dude, we got there at 1145. But he, he didn't know. And the coaches didn't know, man, we was really going to boycott that practice. I'm telling you, I, I feel you. I mean, we, I remember, I got a couple stories. I remember one time we had lost a tough game on the road. Soon as we got back, hit Memorial Coliseum straight into practice. Straight into practice. Get dressed, go into practice. Get on the floor. Um, I remember, um, I think it was my, my, yeah, my senior year, I believe. We were uh, was playing Louisville on a Saturday. We had Eastern on, I think it was like Thursday. Like, you know how you have short games. I think Eastern at home on Thursday, then we was going to Louisville, I think, on Saturday. So we was playing Eastern, and you know how it is. That, that's a tough game to play right before Louisville. Right. And so, you know, we ended up winning that game, maybe 14, 15 points, maybe. But they out-rebounded us. It's a lot. They out-rebounded us by, like, 14, 15, no Ooh. lie. So the day between the Louisville game, we had two, two and a half hour practice. The first practice was all rebounding and tough stuff. All of it, the whole two hours, whole two hours. Dang. But you know, here's the funny part about that TD, and you can attest to this is, from that game, we had those, both those two hard practice the day between, and we went out and kicked Louisville's butt. Wow. And that, and what I mean when I say you can attest to that, TD, is that playing for Rick, you became so so mentally tough. Yes, absolutely. And and that and that mental toughness helps to, to still go into that Louisville game, understand the magnitude of it, and still right. the play. Right, right. right. Just to go full circle and, and complete everything you said about the UKIT, first, me and my dad made that trip to Rupp Arena. And y'all won. I, I was at the game before the championship game. Y'all played Portland and beat them. Me and my dad got there early. Me and him just drove down there, got in there early, went to the concourse, and, and we walked in, and, like, southwest Louisiana was down there practicing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Me and dad just standing there. I'm 12, looking at Rupp Arena. Oh, I ain't never, ain't never been in here. And I saw an assistant coach start, start at the bottom of the steps. And so I, I was like, man, they're about to kick us out because, you know, practice closed or whatever. And me and dad just stayed there and looking around. And we made him walk all the way up there <laughs> to tell us that, you know, guys, we'll practice closed. You know, can y'all just, you know, we know you're just here checking it out. So we like, yeah, we left. We walked on out and, and hung out in Lexington and, and until the game. Y'all beat Portland. That's the one I was there for. And then y'all did lose in overtime to Southwest Louisiana, like one – yeah. According, to, according to BigBlueHistory.net, 116-113, and like you said, that was it for the UK. <laughs> that was it. It was a wrap, boy. <laughs> it was a wrap. Rick was like, not having it no more. <laughs> so both of y'all 
look, played the game at a high level, seen it all, done it all. Both of y'all coaching, both of y'all are authors, both of y'all written books. If you're coaching this Kentucky team, stumbling out of gates at one and three, what's the first thing you kind of addressing since you got some days since this last game against Georgia Tech until Saturday against Notre Dame? What is the first thing y'all are you trying to do? Huh? You go first, Red. You got it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say this. I said this is what I tell a lot of people, first of all. You know, a lot of, especially a lot of fans. You know, I think because these guys are named McDonald's All-Americans, they think that they're just as good as McDonald's All-Americans years before they came to Kentucky. <laughs> they don't realize each year, whoever's McDonald's All-Americans, they're the best of the best of whatever's coming out that year. Right. Don't mean that they're great and going to be coming in to be able to do some of the things that the other All-Americans have done. Right. So that's thrown out the window first off. Now, you again, you're talking about 18, 19-year-old kids coming into Kentucky. Kentucky's a different animal. You ain't just coming in there like, hey, you know, you, you can't come in there like, I'm, I'm, you come in there like you're living off of what's been going on in the past right. <laughs> before doing anything. Um, but, you know, and, it's, and I, I think that this team has a lot of developing to do, um, you know, from a skill standpoint, from a team standpoint. You know, with COVID, obviously, they wouldn't able to get a lot of work done earlier as usual. But I just feel like they got a lot of growing to do mentally, physically, um, understanding the game, right. you know, and, I, and it, it, that takes time with young players. And also, I think just, um, you know, I'm looking at some of the kids that even classed up. I say, you know, when you classed up, you should be a, should be a senior, man. You know, you're a senior in yes. high school, really. You yes. know, and now you're trying to come in and get acclimated to a faster-paced game with a mm -hmm. shot clock. Surrounded yeah. with other good players that mm -hmm. all those guys have all had the ball in their hand. They all have been ball dominant. So mm -hmm. when you don't have a preseason, you don't get a chance to really see the cohesiveness and the chemistry right. that, that comes with teams when they have preseason. And mm -hmm. then on top of all of that, all these guys are new. They never played with each other. Never. So decision-making, being able to know your game, know your teammate game, man, these, these guys are clueless because – Everything has always been built around them, you know. Yes. And like, I'm not gonna say they're selfish players, but they have been players where the game has been tailor made to whatever they do well. Yep. So when you come into a college system, you know, and <laughs> even as we made the transition from high school to college, is that it wasn't as easy as people made it out to be. Although yes. we were good coming out of high school, yep. then you got to learn a new system. And mm -hmm. my first year, and I was telling B, and you kind of you know this about me, right? I didn't play a lot as a freshman. And it wasn't right. because I wasn't talented enough. Is that right. I had to learn how to play college basketball. Some of these guys are still playing high school basketball. Yes. And it's not going to cut it. And when you got 19, you got 20, 21, 22-year-old men, dude, you think I'm worried about an 18-year-old dude coming in? I've Thank already you. seen it, dude. I've, I've been in the weight program for three or four years now. I'm not intimidated by this dude. Mm -mm. Oh, man. So the intimidation factor that would have been there for during our time when we heard of a player, we had never seen him. These yeah. guys on the AAU circle one another and they see each other, they know each other, they're friends. Yep. And it was funny just the other night I was asking one of my guys who I mentored and helped out. I said, man, what's your career high? You know, he said he had 24 points in the high school game and he had the mm -hmm. first half and he finished the game with 26. He's like, yeah, I was about to get 50, coach. I said, have you ever scored 50 in a game? Man, he went back to AAU. I said, man, ain't nobody talking about no AAU. Can you get 50 in a high school game? You know what I'm saying? He was like, but during the AAU season, man, I was, I'm like, dude, listen. Wow. Who cares what you did at AAU? That doesn't right, matter. Right. You know, mm -hmm. but that's kind of like what this generation go on. They love the highlights and what they do during the AAU season. Yeah. And it's, it's a different game, and it's even it's – even, when you don't really understand the nuances of the game, the different layers, the schemes, and – what, and what I forgot to talk about was that, dude, they have Sky Report on you. Thank you. Come on. They, they, don't, they don't realize that when teams scout you, I mean, they, at that level, they're they going to know all, all your strengths and weaknesses. And it's about you understanding how to still utilize them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They take your move, when they take your best move away, and guess what? Your ass ain't got no counters. You're going to be like, you're going to be stuck like, and that's when that frustration come in, boy. It, you don't really, know what to do. It does, man, because I'm thinking about myself. Like, and I, I got my nice moves. I'm like, man, he know my move this way. He got my move this way. I'm like, hold on, man. How did, 
I just do know my game like this. Right, right. So what, but see, that's what being a freshman is. And then the second of my sophomore season, I corrected all of that. Like this one, I came oh. back and had a much better season because mm-hmm. I figured out they knew everything that I could do. And yeah. I had to add to my game. So one another, another way to give credit to Coach, I give that credit to Coach Billy Dunham because he helped me when I wasn't playing. He was like, listen, man, I got to help your game. You know what I'm saying? Like, your high school right. game ain't going to work right now. And I'm right, like, right, right. I have many, he's like, it's, it's, okay, that was great in high school, but yep. I have to give you a college game. And then as I got my college game, then Coach Patino started working on my NBA game. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm gonna, let me tell you just off your point real quick. Um, when I was coaching at Kentucky, I recruited Joe Crawford. And Joe Crawford was a McDonald's All-American. Um, I recruited him and Randolph Morris. We had the number one recruiting class that year. Randolph was ranked 10th in the country. I think Joe was ranked 9th in the country. Uh, so Joe comes in as a freshman. And we had Patrick Sparks back then. <laughs> you know, Patrick Sparks was just a tough kid that can shoot yeah. it. But Patrick Sparks has been in college for three years. So Joe comes in as a freshman, and he wasn't able to beat Patrick out. And he was very frustrated with that to where he right. almost left. And, um, and by the end of the day, from a talent perspective, Joe was way better than Patrick. But right. from a mental perspective, understanding the game and able to go out there and be effective, Patrick right. was head and shoulders above him. Now, when Joe went through that freshman year, went through the learning curve, learned how to play, learned to the game, Joe became a hell of a player and became an all-SEC player. Right. But again, no matter how talented you are, if you come into the, to the, to the college level and, and, and you, ain't, you don't understand the game yet, it's going to take time. You can, you not, your talent is not going to allow you to beat somebody out. And, and I think right before your question, Vinny, is that that's what this team hasn't been getting mm-hmm. over the last four or five years is that, yeah. you know, they haven't had anyone to teach them how to play college basketball. And I, and I know Coach Cal have never come out and said, but for me being like – it's frustrating, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. when you don't have no teachers. Like, all your teachers are coaches, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't have yeah. no players. Like like you said about, about Sparks, that I had Dale Brown. Dale Brown was yeah. teaching me and grooming me um, yeah. about the game of basketball. And when these guys come in, it's like, man, we all of us together, I know you. We come, right. we coming in as freshmen. Right. So you, ain't, you can't teach me nothing right now. And that's just how it is when you don't have yeah. – you don't have – on-court teachers. This one Because your coaches can't score, they can't rebound, they exactly. can't do none of the above. But when you have someone that's been there mm-hmm. and they can walk you through the different sets, hey, man, you got to do this for coach. Coach, what coach terminology, with the terminology, he, this is what he's mean by this terminology. Because also, we talk about learning the game, but also the terminology changes. Changes. And that's something else that players are not familiar with because mm-hmm. it's different level of terminology from high school, college, to pros, kind of like being an analyst, is right. this different terminology. And when you don't understand that terminology, that's mm-hmm. something else. You, it, it takes time. Now you got to be, you got to mentally uh, process that information along with yes. trying to play and along with the pressure of, you know, people calling you from back home. Why are you not playing? What's going on, man? You yes. think you have to be transferring. You know, you got all these thoughts in your head. Yes. And, and you're 18 years old trying to figure the world out with no teachers. Thank you. That's a great point, T. Great point. Now, Y'all talked about, you know, the scouting report and how they, they know you inside and out. Is there a fine line between coming up with counters for what they do to stop you and still staying within the system and within your role? Is there, is there where you can, you can do too much adjusting and get out of what they want you to do within the system? Is that a problem? Is that a, is that a tightrope that you got to walk as a player? Go ahead, TD. It, it is to a sense, but, you know, it's really still trying to figure the game out, you know, and, and what you do well. And I think that's where you got to go to the lab. You got to start really working on, on some counter moves. And that's the one thing as I teach kids about a good, good, great defenders, they're going to turn you two or three times. And mm-hmm. once I turn you two or three times, now what do you have next in your arsenal? And if you haven't really worked on it, you will get exposed because then you have nothing else. You can't – I can't turn it. I've given you everything I got, man. Like, yep. dude, I just got to pick the ball and pass the ball right now. So, going back to Billy Donovan, like, we got in the lab. And not only did we get in the lab, we got dirty. Like, you know, we, we, we played one-on-one. Yes. He became my teacher when 
most of the people, most of the students were probably studying. I'm like, he was like, dude, he come knock on the door. And he knew, he knew I was frustrated when I wasn't playing. He was like, hey, let's go to the lab. You know, I'm like, all right, man, let's go. Yeah. But he was talking to me, he was teaching me, and I was still playing the game. So he was able to give me the counters that I needed. And also I was receptive to, to what he was teaching me. Because right now I think sometimes mm-hmm. these kids take it personal when you say something about their game. It's like, oh, yes. you're my game. You don't know me like this. And they, it, it becomes personal. Like, no, dude. Yep. I'm just trying to help you out, man. Like, just listen to what I'm saying. I've been around the game. But it's, it's, it's those kids that are hardest to coach. Yep. Because from parents, everybody's already told them, you're always good. You're this, you're that. You know, so yes. they haven't dealt with any adversity. And that's the one thing I can tell you that helped me make it to the next level. I dealt with adversity. There were times where, hey, when you come as with all the accolades coming into college and mm-hmm. – you set that bench. Oh, it's humbling. It's real. Humbling. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> humbling. But uh, but yeah, just to add on to what TD said. Um, I mean, even when 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 uh, Rick them came to Kentucky, Billy used to practice with us. Um, he used to run on the track with us, and and like TD was saying, he would tell us everything that 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 Rick was expecting and and why he was upset about this situation or. So Billy was practicing with us, but he was always in our ear while he was busting our ass. <laughs> uh, but um, but the thing about it too is like what TD saying is, is going to the lab, playing one on one. When you when you work on your game so much, um, going back to Vinny, what you said about counters. When you work on your game so much and you get it tight, it's going to happen automatically. When they when they cut off your first move, you go automatically without thinking about it. It's going to be second nature to go to your counter. So you're not you're not wasting any motion. You're not going out of the team concept. If right. you would go to your, your your counter automatically, and then if that don't work, it's just instinct. So you know you give the ball up. But it, everything's become instinctual when you when you're in that lab and you're working and you're working and you're working. And, and that's what we and that's what we don't see a lot of players doing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing to go to your trainer, but how I told people I improved is that. Like, you got to go do it yourself. You know, you got to have some self-motivation where, you know what, it's not about coaches, it's not about my teammates. I have to work on me. You know what I'm saying? And yes, that's yes. how I think most of us, you know, were able to get better and improve. We went to the lab ourselves. You know, okay, cool, all right, I'm going in there by myself, man. I know what I need to work on because now mm-hmm. you are concerned and you love your game and you don't want your game to look sloppy. You know, you go. like it's garbage when you step on the court. You're like, oh, man, yeah. you garbage. That's the worst thing you can tell a player. And with the two things that can happen, you can have a garbage game or you can come in at garbage time, you know, and, and those two things hurt you right there. You know what I'm yes. saying? Oh, man, who put you in the garbage? Y'all down, y'all 30, man, you in the – okay, cool. I take that personal. I'm like, okay, man, yes. I got to get in that rotation. I got to get in the rotation yeah. and then rotation to the, the start lineup, and then you're not going to look back because I know once I became the star, the same thing with you, Reg, mm-hmm. is that my job was to keep the dude on the bench. Unless we were up, I might have been in foul trouble. Yep. I'm not letting you get my minutes no more. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So that's being a competitor that this generation is avoiding. They just yep. want to come straight into a starting situation and not have to compete. Yep. And, and we come about it too, on. TV. Go ahead, Vinny. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just want y'all, we coming to everybody on Believe.com, wherever you get your podcast. Keep listening to us there. Rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, bleed.com. If you want to advertise on the podcast, get in contact with them, and, and me and Tony will definitely promote your products. Speaking of minutes, like y'all said, TD, we, we can't talk about minutes without talking about La Terrain, the great watch company that sponsors the podcast. You've been endorsing them for a long time. Reg, if you're in the market for a good watch, you got to go to LaTerrain.com and see what Dave Thanks. and Ben are doing. The Voyager, the Red Crest. You get Tony Delp's watch. You get the Red Crest free. <laughs> TD, man. we, yeah, we TD special. Yeah, the I, you get the TD special, man. I got the compass, man, that, that my man Dave was sending you with the blue band. But just a great watch collection. I was actually the other day looking at all the watch collection. And, you know, Dave started the company getting more, more and more former athletes involved. And, uh you know, really just giving back, man. And he understands mm. that having a good time piece is something that's, you know, great for men. And mm. especially in the professional professional scene is to see that yeah. nice watch and that nice time piece. So 
Lots of rain has been helping me out and, uh, you know, make sure we go out, we get that Christmas gift for our dad, wives, get that for your husband, your significant other, you know, it's a nice time piece. So when your man is out, you know, they look at it, they look on his wrist and be like, okay, hey, my wife got me this time piece right here. There you go. <laughs> Check them out, Rez, lotsofrain.com. We definitely got to get him love every time we record an episode of the podcast. And Definitely. these episodes will be on the sea of blue.com as well. I just got to ask real quick because I'm just, I can see you and listen to y'all all day. <laughs> but everybody comes back for pickup. TD, you talking about Rex Chapman coming back and some of the guys you saw before you went up against that was there in Kentucky before you. Reg, did you come back? TD, did you see a little bit of Reg in the summertime and pick up in Lexington? Did y'all go I think I saw Reg every once in a while. I think Reg yeah. has kind of moved on. But, you know, he he would come back. He would pop his head in. Um, every you know, now and then. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, we we were all family, and it kind of changed. And, and nothing against Tubby. I mean, I didn't, I didn't come back for some years. And it was nothing against Tubby. Man, I played golf with Tubby. We've done mm-hmm. the Naismith tournament together. Um I think when Coach P left, it was just a, a disconnect there because that, that tied Reg, it tied so many of us together. Yeah. And, you know, when the Godfather left, I was like, it just don't – it didn't feel the same. You know what I'm saying? And, right. And that's the right. one thing I will give Coach Cal a lot of credit for mm-hmm. was he brought back a lot of the generation. Like, he he welcomed all of us back, man. You know, he kind of mm-hmm. – he did the job of bridging the gap. Him and Dwayne Peavy, who, you know, was with uh, – with the Paul right now, you know, right. kind of did a phenomenal job at Kentucky. You know, just having us on podcast, Zoom calls, man. He just knew how mm-hmm. to bring the family back because for for a minute, man, we was there was a disconnect with us, man. Yep. You know, and, and I hated it because it wasn't like we had bad coaches, we had bad players. There was just a mm-hmm. gap where no one was there to kind of like, okay, hey man, let me pick up the phone, let me call Reggie Hansen, let me call right. Tony Chuck. Let me get in contact with Rex. Let me get in contact with these dudes. Right. And all of us, and you notice, all of us are just a phone call away. It ain't like That's none of it. us running from our job or, or no, running from not being a former Wildcat dude. We're right. always going to be a part of this family, you know. Yeah. But, you know, when, like I said, when Coach Pete left, it was just it was, it was just a disconnect there, you know. And like I said, it was nothing personal, nothing against Tubby. Tubby was right. a phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. He did a great job, but it was just different. It didn't feel the same for me. Right. I'm just speaking for myself. I can't speak for everyone else. No, no, I, I, it was. I mean, it's. Um, I think me and, me and Dwayne had Pete had a conversation over a year or so ago, and that's one thing that I was telling him about. It's like you know, it's just been a, it was a, it's been a disconnect, you know, with former mm-hmm. players, and it's just about you know uh, reconnecting, you know, and 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 bringing the families back together, you know, and that's what it's all about. Uh, but you know, what? I want to go back to uh, what we was talking about about. Uh, what TD is just trying to expand on what TD was saying about when you got in that starting lineup and you got those minutes as far as keeping that other player on the bench until you had to come out the game. Um, but you know what? Once you got there, once you got in that lineup and you knew you work on your game and you knew what you were doing every day in practice, I know you felt the same way, TD. I never felt anybody that was coming in was going to take me out of the lineup. I agree 100. It, it didn't even cross my mind because and even in practice, I'm going hard. I know what I know. I know what they don't know. <laughs> and it, it never, it never, I'm, I've never felt like, dang, you know, these guys coming in. And I never right. felt that way. So, you know, I, I knew what I could do and I knew what I was right. going to do. So I didn't have a problem in practice, you know, busting their ass, but helping them learn at the same time. Yeah. You know and what I'm saying? Learned, we learned yeah. it though, you know? Yeah, we did learn that. You, you write about just the, you know, I, I was never, I never felt threatened. Even as you brought Derek Anderson, you brought Ron. I'm like, man, dude, you got to see me every day. You know what I'm saying? Every like, day. Like, like, you know what? You, you might have one good day, but dude, this is what I, I've been doing for a while now, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm conditioned to do this. You're going to have, you know, everybody, every, like I said, every dog has a good day. You know, yeah, you're going yeah. to be feeling good. But guess what, dude? I got to see you tomorrow. And the next day, the next day. And like you said, you know, I played hard enough where I had confidence in my game because I worked right. on my game. It wasn't no, yeah. wasn't no joke. No coach had to tell me going to gym. Right. I'm right. early. Right. Come I did all that, man. And, yep. and I played hard to compete to get my guys on the bench and playing time because I'm like, listen, I'm gonna get my points when I'm out here on the court. I don't yep. need to play 40 minutes to get what I need to get. If you're a right. real scorer, you know what you're doing on the court. I don't. I don't need all these minutes too. Be efficient. And, get it done. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I figured it out. You know, I figured that part out. But like, like to, to Red's point is, I didn't feel threatened by anybody getting my playing time. I was like, yeah. dude, hey, you got to hey, – hey, can you do this every day? Because I knew where – I knew the motor that Coach built for all of us at that time is yeah. that, dude, our motor was once, – once we stepped on that court, it was business. We had yeah. our fun. Don't get me wrong. But we yeah. had a different kind of motor because he built that in us. And he built yeah. the mental toughness, the physical toughness. And it was something that, you know, even to this day, you know – as we compete, dude, you always compete. He's like, dude, life is about competition as a man. Ain't no question. <laughs> you always competing against somebody for something. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, yes. so it, it just it just stayed with me, man. I'm like, dude, it's hard. Even as you know, I don't play, I don't play, I don't play anybody. I played from 21 the other day, although I was still trying to bust their butt, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, y'all, y'all ain't win no games, you know. But I'm not playing hard. It's just like I, we said early, I play smart, understand how to play the game, and I'm not yeah. using no energy that I don't have to. And once you yeah figure that part out and then mm-hmm. you know this the game slows down in your mind yes like, that's when you learn basketball like yes you see things happen to be like man i know what's about to happen right now yeah yep the longer you play it the, the, the more it slows down, it slows and, down. And, and here's the other thing td that um back when i was coming through and i'm sure you guys when you came through td y'all still had the uh the rim on the on the back of the lodge in the parking lot just had to go back in. Yeah, we still had that. Mm-hmm. But I know when we were, and, it, and it's about just staying at gym and playing. And you know, in the summertime, we would have only a certain, maybe a couple of hours to play in Memorial Coliseum. Right. So we get that pickup in. When we got kicked out of there, you know, let the women of volleyball, whoever go in, we went to the blue courts. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> hey, man. What are you talking about? Play some more. Man, and then when, it, when, it, when the blue courts game finished, about four or five of us, three or four of us, go and play some more on the goal right. behind the lodge. Right. So you play all the time. And one thing I think that that helps people's individual games more than anything, and you notice, TD, that they don't do nowadays, is playing one-on-one or one-on-two uh-huh. or one-on-three. That's mm-hmm. all we used to play, man. And if you don't learn how to handle, get your shot off, be efficient, then you then you then you think it'll be no good. But that's what we always to play. We just got one on one, one on two, one on three. Well, I also think that um, you know, we love basketball. Like I'm not I'm not certain that these kids really love yes. basketball the way we do. You know, what yes. you're saying is we get kicked out of one place, we're going somewhere else to play. Okay, now it gets dark, we're going where the lights are at. Now we're going back to the lodge, you know. So we just we kept maneuvering and finding places to go play, man. Yeah. If you don't organize basketball for this generation, they are not going to play basketball. No. You don't see nobody. I live in a neighborhood, and I'm telling you, there might be 12 basketball goals. Nobody, mm. there ain't nobody playing. I don't even see a ball oh out there. I'm like, they only have a ball outside. Like, how? No. How, you know what? Because I, I remember, like, I might be passing by somebody's house, man. I see a basketball. Man, I, I get off my bike. I might go knock on their door just depending on who it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the ball might be bouncing out back. I'm out there shoot, man. I hear the door open. I take off running, go get on my bike, and I'm out. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, but that's just how I love basketball because it, it, it was hard for me just to pass by a basketball rim as a little kid or even yes. as a teenager and not want to play, man. These kids right now, it's like that's foreign to them to see a basketball goal and be like, what are you doing that thing? You know, I'm like, right, right. Hey, I wish I had access to, to, this, to that many hoops in my neighborhood. Come on. There shouldn't be no excuse for you not being at least decent at something in basketball. No, no question. No question. With the resources they have these days, man. Uh, but like you said, I mean, they have too many other distractions. Yeah, they do. And, 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 and you no, know, it's nothing. I mean, we probably would have been distracted too. They just have, like I said, Social media is a whole new platform that yep. we didn't have to deal with, which would have been distracting us. Because even as yep. as I'm training my my older high school kids and college kids, as mm-hmm. soon as I give them a break, man, what do you think they're doing? On the phone. <laughs> On the phone. I mean, you know what? Everybody's over there. You know, and, it's, and the, here's a really funny thing about it is, I mean, the NBA guys are the same way. They don't any different because they – you know what? They watch them. It's like, oh man, that's what they doing. They like, for instance, Dan Bryant <laughs> was upset now <laughs> that he didn't he didn't get a chance to play last night. But dude, okay, we both be practicing social distancing, and here you are out there hugging and touching people. And the next thing you know, thirty minutes before the game, you tested positive. 
positive COVID. I'm like, dude. So now you mad at everybody else. I'm like, dude, you put yourself in this situation. You know, Thank you. it wasn't like, you know, they told you to go out there and, and to start having conversations because right now with the way it's, way it's spread, we don't know how it's going to happen, who it's going to happen to, but, yep. you know, you got to take the proper precaution. And gotcha. I'm just thinking about him. I'm like, yeah, dude, I know you really want to play against your former team and go out there and right. you know, catch some balls and maybe get a touchdown or two. But at the end of the day, when the results came back and it was like, dude, you positive. And I know he's saying like, y'all got to be kidding me. 30 minutes right. per game, I'm getting ready to go out here and play. But right. that's just, I mean, I think it's going to be the new norm until, of course, you know, we find the, the vaccine to it, which we don't know when it's going to happen. Right. And it's been that kind of year, and I kind of feel bad for, even as we talked about this team right here, this Kentucky mm-hmm. basketball team, oh. is, you know, no preseason. Some of these, some most of these kids' season ended. Um, no, and then, like I said, they just really, there was, we really didn't know. Like, you, you could only have three or four people practicing at one point in time. I mean, it was, yeah. it was all messed up for them, man. I, I couldn't imagine – you know, that happened to us during that time when they said mm-hmm. you can't play basketball. You know, you got to go and, you know, get tested. And what the NBA did was 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 great by Adam Silver and the whole league, but yeah. they had to go figure it out. You know, they had yeah. to go and say, man, we got to – it's easier to manage 12 NBA players. Yeah. And just don't imagine what the NFL got to do. Roger Goodell had to do for 53 players. That's not even counting coaches, right. support staff, because they might have – they might have eight to 12 coaches. They have more coaches than our NBA players. So right. I kind of feel for football, at least yeah. basketball, NBA-wise, you can go and, and kind of go to a bubble. And right. I'm still trying to figure out how college basketball is going to operate. Even with, uh, with college football is, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen games being postponed and canceled. And I'm thinking, like, man, how are we going to get through this, through this season and try mm-hmm. to get to March Madness? If there's going to be a March or May Madness, I don't know. Right, right. No, I feel you, TV. I'm the same way. I mean, I, I I do feel bad for these kids because it's like, you know, they've never been. I've never been through a pandemic, but I've been through enough tough things in my 52 years to know we'll get past this. Yeah, we'll move on. Things will be better. But these kids, man, they've never been anything like this. So from a from a, from a mental health standpoint. Um, I've talked to so many different athletes and just young people, and it's like they just, you know, they. You know they don't have any, all this all this certain teams are like gone and they they know if there is going to be a future for them you know right. and it's that that's 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 very tough with that age. So Vinny, so is there anything that you would implement or you would change about how the NCAA has set up college basketball this year? Is there anything that you would change about? Oh, oh, I. I mean, what they the tournament's gonna be? They're trying to bubble up the tournament if it gets to that point, right? I think in Indianapolis, it's where everything's gonna be. Um, with all the the state to state stuff and and how how different it is across the board, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you what you can do, like you said. It was like, you know, y'all's caught Rick Pitino's the one talking about May Madness a few weeks ago. He's the one talking about pushing it back. And 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 then you hear, you know, Coach K last night after they took a loss, maybe, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be playing. Now, now uh, part of that is probably right, but no, he wasn't saying none of that before this Michigan State and, and Illinois loss. Right. If you know, be one way all the time. If you if you was feeling that way, you should have been saying that in, in July and August, but now you get beat by 15. And now, oh, I don't think I don't think we need to be playing. <laughs> I mean, come on now, Mike. And we we seen him kind of take a take a season to have surgery before when they had a bad team. So you know, <laughs> it's like the first time Kay has opted out or something. So, oh man, hey, 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 you call the coach Kay out. Come on. <laughs> now he, I, I listened to the whole thing. Now he did say Illinois kicked our butt, blah blah blah. Yeah, he did say that, but he was also. He wasn't as he wasn't Mister. We shouldn't play until right. we took a couple of L's. Just, <laughs> but I, as far as how they how to change, I don't. I don't know. It's still gonna be tricky. Yeah. Inside, you know, fans, limited fans, breathing the same air. That's still gonna be that's still gonna be dicey compared to football. 
all season long. I, I'm gonna tell you this. I, I think they probably should have just canceled all these uh, pre-conference games. Yeah, out of conference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and then just take your conference, put it in one city, like the NBA, bubble your conference, and just play a conference season. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Especially with them doing, you know, definitely doing the virtual schooling. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I, I have to agree with that. But, but see, here's the problem is that I like it. I think every commissioner could have pulled, especially in the Power Five, maybe someone like, you know, A-10 could have pulled it off too. But right. I think if you do that and now you tr what you try to do is if every conference did that mm -hmm. and you take the top six teams, four or five teams out of each conference, mm -hmm. and now what Vinny said, now we go to Indy. Mm -hmm. And now we can have that March Madness. Right. And all our teams are in one city. That's yeah. like the only way you can pull off. But there's so much money involved that, you know, every conference is trying to make money. Yeah. Instead of them saying, like, how can we have a, a, a season for these young kids that mm -hmm. makes sense for them? And, and, don't, and, don't, and don't put them at risk. Because right, right now, you know, none of these commissioners and none of these people on the board, it's not, it's, it's not any of our kids. Thank you. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? Let's play. Let's play on. Thank but you. Their kids are being affected by this. You yep. know what I'm saying? So they don't look at it like that. You know, they were like, okay, we need to have a season because, you know what, we have these billion-dollar TV deals that, mm -hmm. you know, if we're not playing, we're not getting paid. You know what right. I'm saying? So they're not even really that concerned because they didn't come up. They had enough time mm -hmm. to come up with a solution to this. Yes. And – that's one of the reasons I go back to Adam Silver and even what Major League Baseball did. They kind of mm -hmm. figured it out. You know, it was like, okay, how can we simplify this now? And, yet, of course, we know the NBA was dealing with 16 teams, which is right. a small, a small, minute number to deal with. Right. You know, you talk about how can we get 60-plus teams, mm -hmm. and then we talk about our conference. Well, conference, we got 12 to 14 teams. So right. now it's just those conference games. We compete against each other. You can mm -hmm. get play each team twice. You can get you, like, at right. least 20-some games in. Right. And then we go and start trying to have a selection Sunday. And now we know everybody's going to be in Indianapolis. And yeah. now we, we can solve this problem, you know. Right. But I still don't think enough uh, presidents and ADs have come up with the right answer. Right, right. And they're and, leaving our kids at risk right now. And, and, that, and that's one of the biggest things when I talk to people is, is the players are on the front lines of this thing. Absolutely. You know, and it's in, and at the end of the day, their careers are the ones that's affected. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, coaches can lose games, this and that and the other, and and you know how it is. You know, they're gonna find another job somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but these kids, um, you know, I'm I'm glad to give them another year, but it but it definitely affects what they're trying to do going right. forward. Um, you know, and so I, I, that's, again, that's why I feel bad for them because they are on the front lines and, and you know, and I, they just have to be very careful. And, and even going back to, you know, Vinny, we had a few podcasts early on and what I do commend this generation with is that, you know, their, the quality that they possess, but also the, the cohesiveness and mm -hmm. just being able to stand up and, and, yes. and fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yes. really was down for the cause, you know what I'm yes. saying? Yes. They got behind it the way, of course, we didn't get behind it. And I commend them, you know, for just being like, hey, you know what? We're tired of this right here. We know it's been mm -hmm. taking place, but now we are y'all voices. So they, are, they were on the front line of that, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, we, yeah. we can say a lot of things about, oh, they're not doing this, not doing this. But I can tell you what, when it came time for them to step up, they did it. You no, know, no question. No question. And I was so happy to see that uh, because I'm – you know, it's like TD, I was a player, just like you. Then you coach. And so and especially when you when you've done both, especially at high level. I mean, you, you really know you have a you have a great idea of what the players go through. Right. And you know, back when I was playing, um, and just from what you said about y'all was gonna boycott, but then you know, you're thinking, ah, shoot, I don't do that. But right. coming coming to today with things that's going on. Oh, we would have. No question. Yes. Yes. No question. No question. And, um, and so I'm glad they are because at the end of the day, I tell these people all the time, it's like, you know, if you don't have athletes, you don't have no athletic program. Mm. True. True story. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't have athletes, 
you don't have an athletic program. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta make things right for them, you know? And, and also I, I think you have to listen now because now with these, with them creating all these different platforms, they have voices, man. They like, they, they created their own platform where they have their own followers, you know? Yes. And, and when players say they're not going to do something, it's like, you better, you better believe these kids, man. Like when, when they, yeah. if they, like, like even with Missouri, like they had to fire some people be like, okay, we're not going to play. And the SEC network and all the SEC uh, directors and, and ADs and president, it was going to hit them in their pockets. Yes. So sometimes how you get a message across is it got to affect your pocket. Like when I get into your pockets, oh, now you're going to listen to what I have to say. You know, so that's, that's what they understood was that, okay, all right, cool. We got, we got something for you. Now when yep. you start losing money, it becomes serious to, to the higher up, you know, the higher echelon people, they are impacting. But when it's not impacting them, it's like they could care less about what's going on. Until right. it really gets into their pockets, ain't, ain't no question. And I, and, and that thing with Missouri, I, me me and my daughter have a podcast, and um and we talked about that very thing, man. About <laughs> they was they get they used to lose millions of dollars yeah, if they didn't make if they didn't make that change. They, they made that them. they made that change straight from the top. <laughs> <laughs> that change was made quickly. It was like, oh y'all not okay, cool. We got to fire him. You know what I'm saying? So, but yes. but 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 it, it's the temperature that that we're in right now and right. going back to just where our culture is at and, and, and some mm -hmm. of the changes still, we got, still got a lot of work to do. You know, it's yeah, not, no question. It's not as, it's not as fast as people think, Oh yeah, y'all. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, mm -hmm. man, there's, there's years and years of work, of work. to be done, yes. but at least we have established that, you know, we are going to stand up for each other. We're going to stand up right. for rights for, for yep. men and women and, and different genders. It doesn't matter. And, when you are able to speak, man, I mean, people gonna listen to them because there is a platform. And, yeah. and I, I don't think years ago, you know, they, they looked at it as people being disgruntled. Oh, y'all are just, y'all yeah, y'all are negative. I'm like, no, dude, this mm -hmm. is this is our life. We've been living this, you know what I'm living saying? Living it. Tell me nothing about being black. I've been black for 46 years. Thank so you. A lot has changed, but a lot hadn't changed. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm like, so... You see it for a couple of hours, a couple of days. Dude, I've been in my skin for 46 years. Thank you. I know totally different. Like, what's going on? We don't always have to speak about it, but right. we know what's going on in our yes. community, what has happened in our community. And I'm just so happy that, you know, we're able to share this, not only with the people in this country, but people around the world. Thank so you. Even during the pandemic, when everything was basically at a standstill, mm -hmm. is that globally, people got a chance to see what was going on in this yep. country. And it was like, you know, when other countries started protesting, think about this too, Reg and Vinny, is that, you know how big and how big that is, man? Ooh, I was loving it. To get involved with the country that they don't like, the United States, but Thank they saw you. what was happening to minority. It was like, okay, yeah. cool. You know, that's how, that's how y'all feel. Y'all are speaking out about it. And, yeah. and we support y'all. And right. that, you know what? That just made me feel so good. And it was gratifying to a point of like, man, we're not the only people that, that go through this. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. No question. It's like, you know, I tell people as, as tough as it's been for a few years now, I take a long time. It, it needed to be that way because it brought a lot of things out that needed to be out. You know, it's it's like you know, it's like anything else. You gotta, you, you know, it's the quiet before the storm. And right. it was quiet. It was quiet. Then we've been going through a storm these last few years with different things going on, and now a whole bunch of things come out that opened a lot of people's eyes, and and it's still opening people's eyes, and that, and that needed to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, you had to credit the youngsters on that one. Give the tip of the cap to the to the gen z the gen millennials whatever generation this is now with the 18 19 20 year olds coming up for uh they don't they don't run to every empty basketball court but you gotta give them props for for the actions that they did take <laughs> for sure yeah but it's like it's like td said it's you know it's a different time now you know yeah. It's it's a different time and um and, and 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 they are maximizing it in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, just having just having that platform, man, it, it makes such a, a huge difference because 
your message can get out to so many people instead mm. of waiting on the media to come and interview you and waiting on them to come to your neighborhood. You know, it's mm. like, hey, let me put this out here. Let me tweet this message out. Let yep. me put this on Instagram. You know, let me go yep. to Facebook. So, you know, they, they have ways of sending messages that, you know, we would have to go through a, a lot of different channels to get just, yeah. I mean, just to get an interview, man. Like, you, can you imagine going back to the 90s and you you want to you want to speak out about let's say for instance something happened at practice, man, and then you got to go find that got to go find that media person. He got to go to his producer, his director, and be like, hey man, I got a story. Tony Duck got a story. You're like, oh, man, listen, man, forget all that. We ain't about to put that story on this front page, man. Go somewhere, go somewhere else with that. Okay, yeah. now if I tweet this out and enough people get a hold of it, man, we send that mess around. Hey. Mm-hmm. And we got some going now. We got hey. now. Now they they don't come find like we don't need them anymore. You don't need the media to really mm-hmm. set to send nope. your information out no more. I no. got my phone right now. I can do whatever I want to do on my phone, and that phone can reach thousands and millions of people. Millions of people around seconds. the world. Yes, within seconds. Think about <laughs> yes. it. It's that serious, you know. So and also like I say, you know, going back to the platform is that I tell people too. You know, you gotta. You got to think before you tweet some things out too. You yes. Know? So you don't want to yes. put, put out something that's going to jeopardize your future. People will be yes. like, "Oh well, you were the person that tweeted this. Do you still feel that same way right now?" So it's it's also being politically correct, and sometimes yep. you don't you know you don't want to be politically incorrect all the time either. So it's just really right. having a good balance of what to say, what to do, still keep professional, professional, and still got to be able you know to live your life and. Keep it moving, man. Don't let that stop you. Say what you got to say. Keep it moving. Yeah. Just, just think and think about what you say before you yeah. say it. Don't, no don't, 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 don't. As soon as you get emotional about something, that's the wrong time to send your message. Don't be saying, <laughs> hold it. Be like, just think, yeah. just breathe, just breathe take even for yeah. a second. Herm said, "Don't press send. Don't press send, man." <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. Oh, y'all can follow Reg on Twitter at Reg Hanson. Follow Tony at TL Delk Double Zero. This is that Believe Podcast for Believe Podcast Network. It's been fun chopping it up. Y'all, y'all went in on the youth of this team and and how they can still get it right and some of the issues they got, the plan days, the stories, the things y'all been through, the things y'all have seen. Everybody's gonna love this one, man. So <laughs> Reg. Appreciate you hopping on the first Wednesday podcast we ever yes, done. You know, I told you we didn't do it on Wednesday. We do do it on Wednesday. So <laughs> <laughs> here we are recording, man. It's been a lot of fun, y'all, man. Hey, it's been real, man. Reg, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, brother. We appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I love coming on and obviously talking about Kentucky basketball, but just to catch up with you guys. Um, um, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. And TD, I, I'm going to hit you up after this is over, man. I'm going to shoot you a text. It's something I want okay. you to look at. No doubt. Okay. I'll check it out, bro. Yep. Hey, Vinny, thank you, my man. I appreciate you reaching out, man. You know, anytime, man. I, I love being on the show. I appreciate and, it. And before we get off, man, my, my big bro for years, man, has always been sending me something for Thanksgiving, Christmas, man. Hey, I appreciate you always sending that love and sending that shot. Sometimes I forget, man, but if I don't get something from Reds, man, I have to check on his ass. I have to make sure everything is all right, man. So, brother, keep sending it out, man. I appreciate that. Much love. No, hey, it's all love, TD. I got much respect for you, baby. No doubt. Appreciate it. And respect for both of y'all, man. Appreciate you every week, TD. Appreciate you being so gracious, hopping on one day notice, Reg. And there you were, jumping right on here with us, man. I always appreciate it. You popped on my other little show that I do with my man, TB. You've been on that one. So, man, just. Good brother, man. We got a good brother here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody have a good evening. Check All this right, out. Take care. All right. All right. Y'all stay safe out there. Peace, no doubt. Take right. care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.